from the savage frozen north, otherwise known as Arkiva Sweden, enforcer of bringing the thundering sounds of yore, otherwise known as mid to late 80s metal, back on their new LP Zenith. Prepare your soul for the end of the universe and join us in these final hours as we journey through this timeless scream from the darkness. Don't forget to tip your dark overlord before you exit this plane of existence. Hail Satan! merely a two-word review. It just said, shit sandwich. Welcome back, fellow music lovers. You are now tuning in to yet another exciting adventure with us here on Discologist. I'm your host, Kevin, as usual. We are coming to you live-ish from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It is a podcast, kids. You know how this fucking works. Uh, look, you know, we don't often talk about metal. The last time we did, we talked about sort of the healing power of metal. But there's a thing about metal that, that a lot of people, and maybe you, don't know. That it's fun. Metal is just fucking fun. And it was there was no time when it was more fun than back in the 80s. Now, that's when... I, my formative years when I was like sort of forming and shaping my musical taste bands like rat bands like Cinderella bands like uh, quiet riots, Queens, uh, all these things that, you know, some people might call them hair metal. I think it was just an evolution of, you know, seventies, heavy metal, like iron maiden, Judas priest. You love those bands. So when my buddy uh, out in Denver said, Hey, you got to check out this band enforcer. I thought, that this was just an older album. I thought that, you know, he was like, hey, I'm digging up something that we used to listen to in the past because we used to know the guys in high school or middle school. And we used to listen to metal uh, when we were kids way back in southwest Virginia. But no. Enforcer Zenith came out that day. And what I heard coming out of the speakers was sort of melting my mind. This this <laughs> righteous uh, praising of, of the devil, hail Satan, and... And just like celebrating life and making it sound as awesome as you fucking possibly could. And we're talking about leather vests with no shirts. We're talking about bad mustaches, the whole nine. And it reminded me that this is alive and well in just about everywhere else in the world except America because we're doing it wrong. Um, but that's neither here nor there. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But at any rate, this thing made me extremely happy uh, and it led us to talking about it now. Could not talk about metal like this without my good friend Eduardo. So he's going to be joining us in a few seconds. But I want to get you guys into the mood. Um, so, you know, get, prepare your sacrificial altar. Maybe light some candles, uh, some incense, say some spells or whatever. And uh, get ready to have your mind shattered. Uh, here's Enforcers Die for the Devil off of their new albums in
That's a little bit of Die for the Devil from uh, Sweden. Enforcer is the name of the band. Not Poison, not Rat, <laughs> not, not TSOL. Uh, the name of the album is Zenith. It did, in fact, come out this year. Uh, when I first heard it, it was I thought I was being trolled. But uh, a friend Eduardo was here to discuss it. And I think, Eduardo, the first question is, why do they keep making albums for us? <laughs> it's, it's, it's clearly in our wheelhouse. Um, yeah. It's re- it is really confusing, though, because Sweden is not stuck in 1989. So, right. you know, it's, it's 2019 there. Yeah. Where, where did this record come from? How is well, it possible? I, th- I think we're going to talk about that uh, because uh, it's it's something we have talked about metal in Europe or other music in Europe, um, which is I have a little different lens on it now being in Milwaukee and 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 the proximity to Summerfest. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. there, there's a lot of there's a lot of commonality there. But these guys, uh, this is a four piece, uh, Olaf Wickstrand. Jonas Wickstrand. Oh, they are brothers. Oh, okay. That, that, okay. okay, that, okay. We're, we're, we're talking about the mustache guys. But anyways, <laughs> T- Tobias uh, Lindquist and Jonathan Nordwall, um, they've been in a band since 2004. Uh, they've been making this brand of metal. And uh, they were asked in a Sweden rock, in Sweden rock magazine, they asked them about playing old school. Because when you first hear this, right, it is 1980s hair metal. Mm-hmm. It is like early thrash metal and stuff. And said, they answered that heavy metal is not old school. It is timeless. Thus providing okay. uh, an answer that is none more metal. You can't get any more metal than that. And I, I think what's what's funny about this is if you see the band and if you see um, the liner notes and, and the inside cover of the album on vinyl, which I just picked up, uh, they're living the part. So while it is sort of a valid question, I think, you know, what is going on in Sweden that, that this is still a thing? It is 2019. I think what the answer to that it's not necessarily rhetorical is that sweden europe anywhere anywhere that's not the united states has a long culture a long view of culture Mm -hmm. and they understand that like when something new comes along it doesn't wipe out the old thing and instead it enriches the old thing and you should still practice the old thing those are called traditions kids and and by this point in time you know in 2019 some 30 years later like this type of metal is a tradition like I would expect to see yeah. this in like a coffee shop. Well, there's certain um, there's a certain way in which um, you have these like weird bubble effects that, and I think yeah. I think some of it has to do with like the original material was maybe delayed by a few years in arriving at these countries, right? Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, I can promise you that there are like certain you know songs by like Scorpions that I never here in the u.s but that's yeah. that's my yeah. sign of like okay i'm in a yeah. car in brazil because it's playing on the radio and it's uh um so it is it is really fascinating though because they're just so it's it's so straightforward it's it really is like right you know they look the part they sound the part you you know it it, it, it they're really in that sweet spot of the kind of like slightly post glam um but pre grunge right and um yep. and that non you know the non guttural metal so like you know early anthrax or um uh yeah it's it's a really early early, early white man come yeah, on there's I that mean, too. like british metal like i think that's really what they're pulling from well uh, i i i went to like i immediately went also to like um to skid row kind of that was sort yeah, of you uh, did. <laughs> yeah i was like oh this is this is slave to the grind but, but if it was good yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i i mean i think um 
you know, I think what you're referring to is something, a term you coined, which is the Roxette effect, uh, <laughs> where it's, it's playing everywhere <laughs> in the world still, uh, except for here in America. The, um, y- you know, this this commitment to this uh, is much like punks in D.C. commit to Fugazi, much like pop, st- pop people like dress like they're pop stars and stuff. And and weirdly, it's these types of music, uh, more aggressive stuff like hardcore punk metal, where people maintain or cling to those identities uh, later on in life. And I, and look, I don't do that. Uh, or maybe I do. Like, I'm going to get some Birkenstocks today. So that's, that's my that's my life. But 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 like, I'm so here for that shit, man. I'm when we just had a metal fest here, um, and you know you could roll down the street in Bayview, Milwaukee, and see just dudes in chains and <laughs> and spike collars, grown ass dudes uh, in the middle of the day on a sunny Saturday awesome. afternoon. Right, patches and, like denim you know, patches, and 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 we shouldn't view that any differently than like people who go to Comic Con. Right, it's just fandom, man. I was just just last night. Um... I forget why this came up at, and I was out with my wife and um, I was talking about the, there's a, there's a bluegrass festival um, in Lyons, Colorado, the Rocky grass festival. And I think, I think they finally just started allowing bands that have drummers to play there for the longest time. It was sort of a like, Nope. You know, the, the, the instruments allowed on stage are like traditional bluegrass instruments. Like you, like you have a drummer, you take that shit to Telluride because that's a, that's, that's a different, (laughs) that's a different bluegrass festival. And as much as I'm not, that type of music fan you know i'm I'm sort of here for the evolution and the merging and mixing and to see what comes out next i really really appreciate those gatekeepers who are sort of like nope i'm just going to stop everything freeze frame and like we're just forever going to live this moment or this style um and we need them right yeah and you ha- and you have to deliver too right you can't just do you can't just sort of yeah. say like oh i'm doing a shtick um and that's enough like the the, the quality has to be there yeah i i mean i think you know uh an analog to this would be the darkness People yes. don't necessarily take them seriously, but much like the darkness, these guys have got the chops. Mm-hmm. Like this is not this is not pastiche. This is not like for comedy. This is not for lols. This is like, hey, we're living the life and we're making the songs. You know, you look at these song titles: "Die for the Devil." We just heard "Zenith of the Black Sun," <laughs> uh, one thousand years of darkness, thunder and hell. There's a, there's a tradition in metal where, and and I'm lifting this from this sort of great article that I, that I sent you about um, metal in Brazil and South America specifically, mm-hmm. uh, which we're going to talk about in a minute, but uh, that said, you know, part of the reason put it, people put it down is because they say it's nihilist and that, you know, it, it is meaningless. And in fact, it is further, like nothing could be further from the truth. Metal as a genre just uh, basically enforces structure. These people have to know how to play. These people have to know what they're talking about. They have to stick to a script. Like you couldn't, you couldn't have a shiny, happy people put out by enforcer. Right. <laughs> and 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 that in itself, like, flies in the face of uh, honestly a lot of what they sing about. Um, you know, death, destruction in the universe, and everything. You know, they're really just calling for a new order. And yeah. saying, this isn't. This has not worked out for us. This is why we're still dressed like this and y'all are fucking shit up. And honestly, in 2019, this seems super fucking relevant. Cause I'm just like, maybe we know Sweden gets it right, but maybe they got it all the way. Right. And they're just like, yay. It, you remember how shit wasn't that fucked up back in 1986? Well, well, guess what? We're going back to that. 
Well, and and given that we're living during a time of, um, you know, you were you were G chatting me yesterday about the Bumblebee movie, which is just pure yeah. '80s nostalgia. Yep. Um, you know, Captain Captain Marvel is sort of you know tries to do that for the '90s. We're living in a time when like people keep looking to the past, um, and sometimes it sometimes it's it's not uh, it's not well played, right? And and some attempts to bring uh, those things forward into the present days also don't work. And you know, the evidence of that is like every other Transformers movie other than Bumblebee, <laughs> right? Right. right. Um, so so if you're going to go back to this kind of like traditional structured very specific thing you're trying to evoke you know the fun thing about that is is that like bluegrass or jazz like there's a very clear standard against which to judge your chops right everyone knows what it's supposed to sound like everyone everyone has an expectation of where it's going to go and what it's going to do and you get judged on whether you deliver those or not yeah yeah that's right that's right. And and uh, I, I I defy anybody to judge this band. I want to, you know, they do fall into all these tropes. One of them, and this is one of my favorite tropes of, of all music and metal, is the power ballad. Yes. The power ballad <laughs> brings us. You got to uh, have a slow song. You got to have a slow song. The one on here um, is, uh, if it weren't so damn good, it would be self-parody <laughs> just right in the title. This song regrets. Uh, just has a little bit of everything. Look, even my lady gets it. That's fucking. That's that's the fucking triumph time. I mean, <laughs> there's a lyric here 
regrets i will now it, i will leave now in harmony trade this life for breathless sleep in soulless heartless darkness yeah huh. you gotta <laughs> you gotta have your own you know your fade to black or uh yeah um, yeah i mean but that's the script they stick to right yeah yeah no i can Lovely. i can see the i can see the like the lighters in the air the camera panning across the crowds <laughs> you know it's yep. uh yeah great great earnest moment um yeah and I think the biggest hit, like for in America, for that was like uh, Queensrÿche, Silent Lucidity. Yes, absolutely. You know that that was a moment when when it actually gelled into something that arguably is is uh, artistic. Uh, that album and that band was sort of all over the map. Uh, starting well, actually Operation Mindcrime, which is a weird album, but uh, but they really you know they got out in front of people and could have it there. And sure, you had your home sweet homes. And let me uh -huh. tell you, sir, that is no home sweet home. You know why? Because <laughs> home sweet home was on the charge for a year straight. So you you Damn. can't be home sweet home. But but you know that Silent Lucidity set this template of like if you just do that, there's long drawn out like O's and just like you know shouting triumphantly. And it doesn't matter at that point what you're saying. Like everybody in your audience feels it, whether you're listening on vinyl or in an audience of twenty thousand people. Yeah. Yeah. Or what's going to happen here, an audience of like 300. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm really, yeah, I'm really curious what the, like, what the distribution network looks like for this, for this kind of music, you know? Um, <laughs> uh, and I, and I wonder how it sounds to the kids. I wonder if they sort of understand um, or, or for them, if it just sounds like weird and dated. Um, but, but I think for, for all of us, especially in our, like in our age range, like mm -hmm. you just hear that and it takes you back to such a specific time and such a clear you know like i could sort of i could see the videos for these songs as i was hearing them right i could yeah, picture the yeah. like the sort of platform kind of boots or whatever or some high kicks <laughs> you know <laughs> i think i think i think i messaged you that like oh this sounds like music where like people are wearing leather vests but no shirt and um, in fact they are wearing leather vests with no shirt facts. and there's a problem and there's a, there's a problematic mustache too but i think that's because <laughs> i think we figured it out it's probably his twin brother yeah, we'll confirm yeah. this after the, in the show notes, but um, so they didn't want to confuse people. Um, I, I actually have a little bit of experience just yesterday of how like this distribution network. So when they're talked about, they're talked about in terms of bands like Anvil, mm. which also just played down the street. Yeah. But um, but so the record store that I go to, uh, this guy, Dan, he has a history in this scene in Europe. Uh, he lives here now and books shows at this place called Club Garibaldi. And when I mentioned this to him last week, he said, this album sold out on CD. Mm. So think about on that for CD. a second. On yeah. CD in 2019 okay. at, a, at, a, at, a, at a small record store in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, this album sold out. That's your demographic. And, yeah. And, but then he said, the vinyl is coming in next week. And I'm like, fuck yes, dude. Like, let's do it. <laughs> he had to literally like hide my copy. Oh my God. Because somebody came in and he, and like, what, as soon as I walked in the store last night, he just like walked over and handed it to me. And he's like, dude, I saved this for you because this guy came in. These motherfuckers just turn it over because wow. it's seen as collector's items. Like it's seen as like low, uh, low quantity pressing. Uh, it's a very niche market, but they can buy it for like 35 bucks and sell it for 60. 
Right. Wow. So so weirdly, if you want to talk about this in terms of like the music industry, it's like whereas every indie band is like struggling to make it, they're just making music that is old as time and they're not seeing the benefit, but it is keeping some sort of uh liquidity in the economy. Yeah. Well there's well well I think we've always talked about with metal, you know, metal understands its scale, right? It understands yep. that there's like a very there is a really kind of hard um ceiling to how popular a metal act can be mm-hmm. in terms of crossing over but in terms of within the world of metal um you know it, it, you just sort of have this um I, I i guess the ethos is different right you don't you know you're not swinging for the fences you're sort of right you think of like a mastodon or something yeah. and that's 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 realistically as big as a metal act can be today i think i think um, so yeah and that's, and that's i mean a, would you would you consider foo fighters metal at all i would not I would not. I often wonder about that. I, I yeah. I think they use, they use, they use, they they have absorbed parts of the metal idiom, but yeah. I, I mean, yeah, hard, I, think I think you're right. Yeah, hard rock, sure, but I, I don't know if I would put them in the metal category. Okay. Um, and same same with obviously like Pearl Jam or something like that. You know. Oh um, yeah, yeah, definitely not. Um, but uh, that's that's wild though that 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 there's such um, kind of interest. Um, I mean, something selling out on CD is just absurd. It, it is absurd. And what's even more hilarious is that they're playing, there's a bar uh, about 20 minutes south of where we are uh, towards a, a place called Racine, Wisconsin. And they're playing this place called Route 20. Mm-hmm. And it is it is literally, it seems to be a metal bar. And then there's nothing down there. Wow. Um, that's where uh, my mother-in-law lives. Uh, it's farm country, goats, and it's like, but there's this little metal bar, and part of their world tour is playing in this little metal That's bar. Awesome. They're not playing down the street at Club Garibaldi's, which which uh, Dan books. They're not playing the Riverside, the Paps, or anything. And in your neck of the woods, they're playing, I, I believe, Canal Club uh, in Richmond, oh. Virginia. Wow. Yeah, so you know you have this like larger than life music. These guys who are living these personas that is is part glam rock, part entertainment, and part just lifestyle that they've chosen. And then instead of being pushed into arenas, they're playing these clubs that we typically see small indie bands play, mm-hmm. or or in in the case of a peer like cover bands. Right, like you're gonna yeah. have Bob Seger cover band every other night down at this place <laughs> in, in any other part of the country, but up here. Um, and the, to me, to get back to the point about this being uh, sort of why European culture or anywhere outside the world is somewhat better, we have a thing here called Summerfest. And Summerfest brings people from all around the world. It is billed as the largest music festival in the world. I don't even know if that's true. It's because it's it's a permanent grounds. It's two weekends plus some stuff around it. And the weekends don't repeat. So it's just like a hmm. fuck ton of bands coming through. There's no like uh, uh VIP level ticket. It's not like buying a ticket to Coachella or Lollapalooza. Right. You're just sort of there and you can buy tickets to individual shows. So we have people like Bonnie Vare playing, which people are freaking out about and Lizzo playing, which people are freaking out about. But people are also freaking out here about sticks Warner <laughs> and Loverboy. And let me tell you, Loverboy <laughs> plays every goddamn Summerfest. And my point is, is that be, this is honestly a more like European culture up here than down South or what I've been used to and seeing like that embraced. It was just like, it's, it's not even like blinked at, like it's yeah, not even like, yeah, yeah it's, it's mocked down in DC. 
Twitter. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, fuck yeah, Lover Boy's playing. We're going to see him. And, <laughs> and and like I think that's where this this not only comes up, uh and because if you go to Europe, these guys are could headline a festival, um, and probably have. And you I, I think you see that and you realize like how there's a better way to enjoy music if you just like like stick with what you love and then be open to other stuff. You know, there's, there's, um, metal is always sort of necessarily like underground, right? Like it's always defining itself like punk and like other genres, it's defining itself like against a dominant culture. Right. But, but that also means that there are like pockets of metal everywhere. Um, yes. And that makes it, and I think that's kind of the, um, that's how I think of it as sort of a global phenomenon. And that's how I think about it as, as there being like, of course, there's like a metal subculture in like every South American city. Um, of course, it's, you know, all over Eastern Europe. Um, and um, because, you know, people, people need to sort of find their tribe and gravitate toward it. Right. Um, it, I, I, I sort of think of it since we're talking about, since we've already introduced like, shitty current movie franchises um you know every um every fast and furious movie there's this like thriving underground car culture right where people are just like oh are you carrying like a custom steering wheel like i know what kind of thing that is like let's go to this thing and there are five thousand people there on a friday night to like to like stand around and like look at cars and compare cars and um which is plainly ridiculous but but um you know like metal and other kind of more underground forms of music, I think do thrive around those kinds of enclaves of just like, you see some guy, you see he has like a patch on his denim jacket or, you know, he's got like long sort of hair that's kind of vaguely mullety. And you say, Oh, you know what? That yeah. guy's going to be into this. Like, let me make sure that guy, that, that guy knows about this show that's coming up. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, speaking to the the point about you know pockets of metal always being in the underground, I sent you uh, an article uh, called "Heavy Metal Music in Post Dictator in Post Dictatorial Brazil: Sepultura and the Coding of Nationality in Sound." It's written by uh, Edelbert Avalar, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure when it was published, but um, it it I looked it up because, like, sort of confusingly, or maybe not so much. This album is also available for streaming in Spanish. <laughs> yeah. And there's a stereotype, I think, that, you know, people in Latin American cultures, specifically South America, you know, which you're from Brazil, mm-hmm. love metal. That may not be a stereotype. The The argument here uh, that this paper makes, it says in Brazil, not only did headbangers have to prove the usual guardians of musical standards, that theirs was genuine music and not sheer noise. Not only did they have to prove the usual guardians of morality, that their message was not immoral and did not incite violence. They also had to prove to the influential guardians of political meaning that theirs was not a futile and alienated form of protest against the country's still grim political reality. And like, it is a fascinating read. We're going to have a link to it in the show notes. And I, you know, having grown up there, like, do you think that's just why metal was big there? Well, I think there's, I think there was something special about that that time frame you know we moved back there in 84 85 and that was when uh that was basically the end of the of of military rule um right and so with that came you know rock the first rock in rio was 85 or 86 iron maiden played there and that was huge and yeah and it was probably as big as say you know metallica playing 
uh, in, you know, um, Berlin or Eastern Europe in the early 90s. Like it was sort of this idea of like our gates are now open to the world. And um, and it, 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 it's interesting because there's a weird, um, you know, Brazil is, is a Catholic country and right. uh, can be culturally conservative in some weird and unexpected ways. And even if you go and look at some of Sepultura's music, like they have there's sort of songs that are kind of weirdly sort of pro-life or anti-technology and, and kind of really not like, you know, um, it, it's just the way the politics blend together into this kind of anti-authoritarian thing leads to right, right. a distrust of institutions. And I think that's, that's tied with the idea that, you know, much of Latin America lived under some form of military rule that gave way to imperfect democracies that are, you yeah. know, I mean, America's democracy is imperfect, but South American democracies are really yeah. imperfect. Are really imperfect. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think that that rebellion, um, you know, in America, the rebellion is like mom and dad are a drag. Right. As, as, as opposed to, at least when you're a kid, you know, as opposed to, uh, you know, wow, we're, we're like a teenager and we understand that like we are living under a dictatorship and this is horrible. And like, how, do, how do we get out of it? And you see this in pockets of like punk music, like uh, in Iran and Iraq. And there's mm -hmm. uh, quite a few good documentaries about that out there. And you see like how uh, this stuff, you know, back to the nihilism point, like the idea, you know, just screaming and making songs about like, let, let's take this song here for a second. End of the universe. Splendor of Ruin, the weave of space-time shall be undone. That is when you, uh, 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 I guess, have like sort of given up hope and have confidence that you can rebuild. Yeah, like that's that's the bright side of this. Like, it's not saying like the universe has to end so we can all just like die in darkness. It's like it has to end so we can like build something better. And it's gonna sound fucking awesome. Well, like that's guaranteed. Yeah, I would love to see the uh, the the Phantasm, which is sort of a sci-fi horror movie yes. franchise. I would love to see that entire franchise recut with these guys as the soundtrack. 
I actually said that to Casey Ray the first time I heard this. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, it is because that series is about like what invaders from like the land of the dead. Is that is that yeah? Right? The tall yeah. man is stealing corpses and bringing them back to some some place across the space time continuum, and they're being animated and made into tiny people who are then his servants. So he's like <laughs> enslaving the dead. It, it's it's a. Yeah. <laughs> I it's, love the series. It, it's but, a fascinating yeah, franchise. Yeah. Um, yeah, but 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 the imagery, the 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 soundscapes they're evoking, like it is so phantasm. It's great. Which which actually feeds into Beastmaster, right? It's the same. Uh, it's the same director. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, now yeah. <laughs> uh, you're going to start confusing people like really bad. The Beastmaster. Who was in Beastmaster? It was. Uh, um, I forget. It was a co- and that was that was like a Conan wannabe, except. Yes. And the hook was, and this is why this movie persists, uh, that he could speak to animals and mm-hmm. love the animals. He had those little ferrets them. who would steal things for him. He could be the Hell hawk yeah. or the, yeah. A shit. Yeah. I'm going to have to buy that. I'm going to have to buy that from Apple today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's scored by heavy metal. Yep. Um, and yeah, like that. that's that's what we're talking about here. And and that is, uh, you know, I had a discussion about metal, about Crack the Sky with our friend Brian Gruner. And like anytime we talk about metal, it's just important to me that people who aren't really into it, aren't really don't know it that well, understand that how fucking joyful this shit is and yeah. how ridiculous. Because we just went down a path from like talking about this, <laughs> trying to talk about it seriously and the socio-political like impact of <laughs> metal in South America, the fucking Beastmaster. We were the, yeah, we, we were we were at serious like five minutes ago, <laughs> and then suddenly it's Phantasm and Beastmaster. Yeah, and and, and that's that's what metal can do for you, kids. That's yeah, great. That's how it can make your life better. So, I mean, this is like this is one of, this is one of my favorite albums of the year, right? This is this is a keeper. This is a keeper. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna alternate between the English and the Spanish language versions and just oh sort of God. say, you know, it's yeah, good, good good way to learn Spanish, kids. <laughs> is it a good way to learn <laughs> Spanish, Eduardo? <laughs> like, I mean, maybe in the wasteland. Yeah, that's right. If, that's if, right. This, if that's... this is all you need to know about, like you can you can say it all in Spanish. You, you can say <laughs> ardent, the ending is nigh. It approaches with a punishing heat. Embrace <laughs> the impending defeat. You can learn how to say that in Spanish, and you'll know when the guy wearing the dog face is stealing your gas, what to say to him. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this is a fucking winner. I'm, I'm glad we got to talk about this because um, it, you know, this started as sort of a joke from my friend I've had since middle school. We used to listen to this stuff in middle school mm-hmm. and he sent it to me and I was like, what is this? What did you dig up? I mean, just from the art album artwork alone, and he's yeah. like, no dude, it came out today. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was like, Oh shit. And then it has been a, a, a just a journey to get from there to here. Yeah. Well, well and, done enforcer. Yeah. Well done. Enforcer's Zenith is out everywhere now. Um, as you heard me mention, I got my copy at Rushmore Records in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I can't thank Dan enough for pulling that. Somebody came in and tried to buy him. 
buy all of them. Apparently, it's a thing. I, there's so much I don't know about this scene, but I do know this is awesome. And uh, and he was looking out for me, so now I own it on vinyl, much to the chagrin of my lady. <laughs> um, but uh, it's an awesome album. Uh, they're an awesome band. They're going to be touring uh, America. I think they're opening. I forget the name of the band they're opening for, but they're playing here and they're playing like Richmond, Virginia. They're playing all over because that's what people from Sweden do. They come do an actual tour of America. Um, so, and thanks again to Ed for hanging out. Hope you guys get a little educated too. Hope you like that uh, that article we were talking about. I'm going to put that in the show notes, and so you all can read it. It's a fascinating article, and just get, tells you lets you in on the fact that there is always more to this music than we think. And all you really have to do is open yourself up to that and learning about the world around you. That is it for this episode of Discologist. If you like what you heard, subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a rating or a message there. We're out on socials at, at Chunky Glasses and Facebook slash Chunky Glasses, uh, ChunkyGlasses.com. All of that is because we are a Chunky Glasses production along with our other podcast, Dead to Me, coming up in a few days, actually. Going to be talking about the tallest man on Earth. We are going to be discussing the cure's disintegration at 30 because we are all old now. Mortality is sort of sneaking, us behind, sneaking up behind us. And then got some great new records coming up in May. May's a big month. May's a big month, May and June. So hang tight, guys. Be safe out there. Have some fun. And and go get this album and turn this shit up. We'll be back in a few short days. Talk to you soon. Bye.